Welcome back to another episode of the Thinking Big Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Osborne, and today we are joined by my friend and special guest, John Rossman. Now, John is a leadership and digital transformation expert, and he is the author of three books, including the bestseller, The Amazon Way. John is an early Amazon executive who played a key role in launching the Amazon Marketplace business back in 2002, and he serves as Senior Innovation Advisor at T-Mobile and Senior Technology Advisor to the Gates Foundation. So let's jump into the episode today. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. And today's episode is sponsored by Kajabi. Have you ever dreamt of turning your passion into a profit? Well, Kajabi makes it easier than ever to do that from online courses to coaching and content to fully integrated websites. Uh, Kajabi has everything you need to launch your online business and thrive. I've been using them for four years now and it's trusted by over 50,000 entrepreneurs worldwide. Kajabi is the all-in-one platform that turns your expertise into impact. If you're ready to start your success story, visit the show notes and get your free 30-day trial of Kajabi. Just go to the show notes and click on the link. All right, so let's get back to the show. And John, thank you so much for coming on the Thinking Big podcast to enlighten the listeners. Uh, There are two types of guests that I absolutely love having on the show. One is leadership experts because that's a subject that is very near and dear to me. And number two is authors, because you have been able to condense decades of knowledge into a book. And I think this is really one of the greatest learning tools that we have in order to go further and faster. So again, welcome to the show, John. Sean, thank you so much. Thanks for the nice introduction. Great to meet you. And I couldn't agree more about Both long-form podcasts and books serve the same purpose of really being able to condense really important experience, tactics, uh, suggestions into um, material that can be learned and used. It's much different than a blog post or, you know, anything short form. And so I've really... I'm a lifelong reader, listener, and it is the best way to think about how you think. And you don't have to agree with everything. In fact, I would, I would maybe the first discussion is like, listen to stuff, read stuff that you don't necessarily agree with. And you actually do learn and fortify your own position by being curious about the the either dumb ideas or the opposition or whatever it is, it just makes you better, a better thinker. You know, I want to kind of go back a little bit to your time at Amazon and the stuff that you did uh, back within that company. Nowadays, you are hearing so many companies that are talking about digital transformation and you were doing that. So, I mean, you were doing that back in, uh, I think it's the early 2000s when digital transformation wasn't a thing. Companies weren't talking about digital transformation and it's a big buzzword right now. I mean, again, you have every company that says, yeah, they've got a digital transformation team. Most of them fail at what they do. Most of them, 
explain what you think, like your, your thought on digital transformation and what that means for a company. Yeah. So first I'll kind of give a little background and then we'll tackle digital transformation. There's a lot teed up in there. So um, yes, I was an early uh, executive at Amazon. I got to launch and scale the marketplace business. So that's third parties selling at amazon.com. I also ran a business called Enterprise Services where we ran other large retailers, e-commerce infrastructure for them. So like target.com and Toys R Us and a bunch of other great brands. I left Amazon late 2005 and started work with my clients on digital transformation and innovation and, and just flat out, like, how do we compete? How do we get something hard a new thing done that doesn't exist uh, today. And that's the core of what I still do today. And it was one of my clients at the Gates Foundation who actually came to me and goes, you know, you do a nice job of taking the delicate little strategies or stories from Amazon and inserting them into our work. And I think you ought to write a book. And the smartest thing, I'd never thought about this before. And I was like, oh, you know, I do, I do find a ton of, impact in those stories, a book that's interesting. And so I listened to him and I talked him into being my partner on these books. And so we released the first edition of the Amazon way, which is kind of my story to Amazon and the Amazon leadership principles. We've done three editions of that book. Now I released a book called think like Amazon 50 and a half ideas to become a digital leader in 2019. And that's really the full playbook of all the little mechanisms from Amazon and um, and so that's kind of, you know, today I get to do keynote speaking and, and advising, but it's it's not about Amazon, right? It's about you and what your business and your leadership style, how that impacts how you compete and how you operate. So now to digital transformation. So first is, you know, I always like to start with definitions, right? So to, to transform means a fundamental change, right? It, it, it doesn't mean a tweak. It, it doesn't mean an adjustment. It means a fundamental change. And every company, as you said, is undergoing uh, some form of either a digital transformation or an innovation strategy um, or some sort of operating model um, redo or scaling. And really what they're trying to solve for is how do we compete? Like that's and win, right? That's the underlying problem that they're really trying to address. The first thing I do when I work with a client is digital transformation. It's an interesting term from a category standpoint, right? To roll up all the technology and roll up all the services, but it's actually a horrible name for a, a, a vision or a strategy. And so we, we aren't going to use digital transformation at the highest level. We may talk about a specific problem they want to solve in supply chain or a specific type of customer experience that they want to do, but we're going to make it relevant to the business because the first thing we're trying to do and we're always trying to do is, is, is to connect and clarify exactly what's different about the future than it is today. And when I talk about things as a digital transformation, it, 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 it says nothing about either A, the problem we're trying to solve, or B, uh, where we're going to. And now to the point like, well, why did these things fail? Well, they fail for a lot of reasons. If it was a simple set of reasons, 
companies would be a lot better at this. <laughs> Over 85% of all of these strategies and programs fail. And what we mean by that, by failure, is like they fail to deliver on the promise of why we started these expensive journeys to begin with. Um, and so there's lots of core reasons um, that they fail. But the first and the most important is around um, clarity of communication and clarity of thinking. We are neither solid or distinct or have a shared refined definition of the problem we are trying to solve in the business for our customer, in our supply chain, and whatever it is that we want to solve for. And we're even fuzzier about where we're going to, right? Like we paint this vague picture of like the future, but you, you can't define it. And when you can't define where we're going, guess what's really hard to do? Well, it, it's hard to get there. It's hard to get there quickly, right? You're, you're like the lost patrol on this journey that's zigzagging across the desert. That then starts a whole slew of failure points along the transformation journey, including we get fatigued. We get fatigued because we're on this journey to nowhere. We don't really know where we're going. We all think we're working together, but we're actually... Uh, talking past each other. We all think we have alignment, but actually there's a lot of, you know, uh, uh, po po we'll call it politics. Um, people don't ever view it as that, but that's really what it is. Like, hey, I'm just fighting for what I believe in. That's what politics is, right? And, um, and, and this unraveling of these big, important initiative starts. So that's a little bit about both me, my journey, what I do with my clients and in my keynote speaking today, and what a digital transformation or any hard strategy is. Um, it's, it's this journey to nowhere unless you solve for the first piece of that, which is be clear about the problem you're trying to solve and, and spend more time and iterations on trying to define the future state of where you are going. And these were the tricks that I learned at Amazon. For me, it's like, how can we, from a digital transformation point of view, again, I've spent 30 years in technology. That, that's been my executive background. It's all been in you know IT technology stuff. And it's like, how can we automate and streamline the processes of the company to the best of their ability, the cheapest way we possibly can? Now, this might be a little bit outside of, of what you normally do, but where do you, I, I'm just curious with, with, you know, with your background, where do you think the use of AI is going to come into play in the digital transformation? And I'm not talking about just chat GPT. I'm, I'm talking about AI as a whole. You know, how, how do you foresee the future vision of how, because there's, so many powerful ways that that I can see that that can be used by companies to get them to do a transformation utilizing these you know these AI technologies. Yeah, well, so um, the title of a forthcoming book of mine is called "Big Bet Leadership: Your Transformation Playbook for Winning in the Hyper Digital Era." So the framing of the book is pointing to exactly what you're asking about, which is the impact of AI and other disruptive um, technologies in business. And the way I frame this is, you know, 
uh, Netscape went public on August 8th, 1995. And that is typically used as like the starting gun, this, the, where, we, where this whole digital disruption and digital transformation started, that's typically remembered as the starting point. None of us remember Netscape. None of us remember their story of what happened, but we remember that, that starting point, right? And what I believe is that in 20 years from now, we'll look back and we'll go, oh, in November of 2022, when ChatGPT was released, that was really the turning point for a new era, what I frame as the hyper-digital era. And what I think is going to be distinctly different about the next 20 years is that although we've, we've done a lot in in um, improving customer experiences, uh, connecting with new types of devices and internet of things capabilities. Really, productivity within companies hasn't changed that dramatically, right? Like we're on we're on a basically like a two percent productivity gain every year. Like that's that's the typical productivity gain. What I think is going to be distinctly different is is that you are going to see a in-company productivity leaps by 10 to 100x because of the thoughtful application of AI and other disruptive technology. So I think that's what's coming at us, which means that senior leaders have to get really good at these things that I call big bets, right? These are the transformations we're talking about. Because if you don't develop a core competency in the ability to change, the ability to innovate, the ability to test out new concepts, you will be one of the casualties of this upcoming era. But if you can build a core leadership competency of how do we actually experiment and make substantial change happen, it's going to be a tremendous era for companies to, to capture market, to serve customers in new ways, and to be one of the winners out of this era. Yeah, it's funny because up until now, IT is always kind of technology from a company standpoint is always, unless you're a tech company, obviously, is always touted it as like, we're here to save you money and, and make you, you know, make you more efficient. And if you look at companies traditionally in the, in the past 15 years, it's like, IT is just another cost because as you said, it really hasn't changed a lot of the, the a lot of the productivity over the past, uh, you know, couple of years or last 15 years. And you know, this probably better than I do, which is IT organizations have a very difficult job to do on one hand their job is to um, make the status quo very stable, very operational, and to actually work, right? Like, and the, on the other hand, their job is to be these agents of change, right? Uh, 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 agile and launching new products. Those two things tend not to go well together. And so what typically happens, and this is just one manifestation of this, which is, the now, this quarter, this year, today, wins out over inventing, testing, experimenting in new concepts. So one of the fundamental things you just have to recognize is that asking the same people to be accountable for operational excellence today, that can be really tough to ask, also ask them to be the agents of change and the agents of innovation within their organization. I'm not suggesting that you have to separate the organization or you, you, you need different departments, but you do have to recognize 
um, the complexity of the mission that you are asking them to accomplish and that the incentives tend to reward us for like, just make sure today works well. That's that's where most of the incentives are are focused at. I think a lot of companies don't have that kind of mindset on being able to be agile, being able to do those things. And and like I said, I think if if you're going to be successful in the next five to ten years, if you don't embrace this technology, if you don't if you don't embrace it, you're to me you're 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 going to die. You're you're you will not make it. This is, it's like going back to the 1920s and say, you know what, you can't have bones. You're going to do everything via, you know, you're going to send all your mail via, you know, horses and horse and carriage. And it's like, you, you just can't, you, you cannot be profitable in that type of thing. So yeah, if you don't do that, if your company isn't set up like that, then it's going to be hard. And I think a lot of companies right now are set up old school where they don't, they don't champion change. They don't champion these, you know, these being agile and I think, so do you think you learned a lot of that in Amazon? You know, what was the Amazon leadership culture that impacted kind of what you do? Because I think that is a much different culture than a lot of corporate companies are right now. Yeah. So first I would uh, not just agree with all your points. I would double down on all the points you just made there. Um, I always, I, I, when I do keynotes, I'll ask an audience, I'll say, who here believes that uh, innovation and fundamental change is required for your organization over the next five to 10 years, right? Everybody will raise their hand. And then I'll ask, who has a deliberate system, a process for how you do new business incubation or innovation or these transformations, you know, and everything, right? Or like where, where, you, where you lead with uh, hypothesis-led ideas, you recognize them as bets, you have true agile minimalist testing, and you understand that there's a portfolio involved here and not one idea involved here. Nobody raises their hand. And it's that fundamental disconnect that we know this is critical, but yet we aren't willing to do the things we know that are needed for, for, for anything important to happen, which is you have to have a system for it, right? You have to have definition and resources and decisions and, and, and people applied to it with real focus to it. Like you have to do those things or it won't just happen, right? This stuff doesn't happen by accident. Uh, so this is absolutely the, the playbook uh, of Amazon and why I think they're, they're, Unique's a big word. I don't know if they are actually unique, but I think they are fairly unique in this, which is they are both a world-class operating company and they're systematic about their innovation. So they've they've solved for this very challenge that we're just talking about, which is you have to both operate in the here and now and, not or, and you have to be a systematic innovator. And that's the work I do with my clients at both small companies, mid-sized companies, and large clients is like, well, how do we put in that the right playbook for us on that, on that new business incubation and innovation front? And that's what led me to write the Amazon way and think like Amazon and now B Big Bet Leadership is solving for that exact problem, which is all companies are almost fully indexed on their operating playbook for today and they are very underdeveloped like an athlete that's just completely over muscled in one area they have no muscles in this 
new business incubation or innovation playbook that that's needed. And part of the problem is is that the the language we use really matters when we're when we're talking about this. And we tend to use words that are very similar between these two playbooks. For example, we talk about projects, right? So we'll talk about a project in our operating playbook, a project. I have to upgrade this system or I have to build a new fulfillment center or whatever it is. That's a project. But then when we're innovating, we also use this word project, right? Like, oh, I have a project to uh, test out this concept. Well, people that are in the operating business, they go, oh, I know projects. I know how to do these things well, you know, and everything. These are completely different animals, completely different animals. So one of the things I work very hard at my clients on is wording really matters here. When we are in talking about our operating playbook, we'll talk about projects. But when we are talking about innovation or new business incubation, I like to use the word bets right? This is where big bet leadership comes from. I like to use the word bets because a bet infers, I think this is a good idea, but I don't know for sure. There is a, a very real chance of quote unquote failure on this, that the experiment may not work, but that's why I'm doing it. I'm doing it to find out whether the experiment works or not. Okay. So now when I start creating separate swim lanes for projects versus bets, then I'm going down the right path of like, these are distinctly different things. I have to have all this different types of both mentality and understanding and processes around these things that are fundamentally different than how I operate in my normal playbook. But people don't get that, uh, that subtlety of how language really matters in order to drive true change both at the individual leader level as well as at the greater organizational level. Man, I, and I, I really like how you said projects versus bets because that is exactly what it is. And with the way, with the way technology and the way things are moving right now, if you're not doing some big, big bets, you're going to be left behind. And, and here's the thing. There's a lot of companies that just they can't accept failure. And you're going to lose some bets. But if you take that bet that you lost and you look at why did it lose and now you you use that as a learning and your next bet gets better, then but most companies, they're not willing to take big bets. And right now, as you said, it is such a pivot point in in I don't know if you want to say technology, but a pivot point in how we how we are as humans that if you don't make those big bets now, you're not going to you just you won't make it you you're gonna have to what great uh wayne gretzky said you skate to the puck because right. in five where, years where it's puck, going right the puck is not where it is today and it's going to be and, and the distance between the puck from five years ago to five years from now is such a huge difference there it's it's like 25 years in it, to me if you think about it i mean it's right it, and, and 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 one of the secrets of of winning at big bets, like my whole book is about how to win at these things, right? Not just not fail, but actually to win at 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 big bets. That's 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 what I'm interested in doing is actually how to be one of the winners um, by the ability to transform. And one of the things you have to recognize is is it is a big bet, but we don't actually make big bets at the very beginning, right? Like we think big, right? Name of your podcast, think big, but we actually take a very um, small and incremental test and learn approach until we've 
proven out the high risk aspects of what this big bet is. Once we understand it well, then we can start leaning into it. Then we can start actually putting some sizable bets on the table there. And so it, you, you don't want bet the company uh, types of bets, but if you wait too long, that's what companies are forced into is these all or nothing true big bets where where it's tr completely unfounded their their thesis or their hypothesis for how this thing is going to work out and so the keys are starting early start start before your your company is underperforming and truly test these ideas out cheaply quickly fastly before you make them into actual big bets and that that's that's the whole storyline of, of Big Bet Leadership, which will be released February 27th of 2024. Yeah, I can't wait for that book to uh, to be released. Now, I, and I think you have to have, you have to, at the same time you're doing that, I think you have to also build in a culture that supports that. And I actually did everything completely backwards. So in the early 90s, I started a high-tech company, actually big company, uh, we're about to go public, ended up, uh, ended up selling it, uh, ending up selling the company. And then I went back into leadership and working with, you know, uh, in corporate America and, and leading, you know, IT, uh, IT teams and, and divisions. And I think going backwards, I think it helped me out from a culture standpoint, because I always led from the perspective of letting the employees be entrepreneurs, let them think outside the box. Don't beat them up if they do think outside the box and they fail. Now, if you keep failing at the same thing, <laughs> obviously there's, there, there, there's an issue there, but I truly think that we have to, companies are going to have to have the culture. And I, I guarantee Amazon is like this, uh, where we let our people do their thing. We let them think because we brought them into the company for a reason. You know, they're, they're all bright people and, and we've got to let them think, think and we've got to let them do their thing uh, in order to get that, to get their genius out of them, I think. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And um, any real hard problem that you're going to solve in a business, it takes multiple people thinking through that together. How do we think together, right? How do we, how do, we do that that better? Amazon's playbook for that is called working backwards. And what working backwards is, is start with the customer, start with the problem and work backwards. And the techniques are centered on writing, right? So back to writing, uh, back to long form thinking, which is to write out both. Guess what? What's the problem? What's the current circumstances? What's the data? It, what's the data and the metrics telling us? And then define What's the future? What do I envision the future being? Why will a customer love this new experience or this new approach? What, what exactly will the operational approach, approach be? And if you write these out and then the real culture is in the debating of them, how do you debate the idea and be willing to, to quite frankly, step on some toes, right? You have to be willing to, to be thoughtfully critical, but still critical of the concept. That's actually testing, right? When, you, when you're actually doing that, you're pressure testing these concepts and you're, you're, you're writing out and capturing revisions to it, right? Well, then we're actually experimenting and that's the cheapest type of experimentation that we can do.
once we get to these written, we call them narrative, six-page narratives at Amazon, and there's a few other techniques uh, involved there. But once you get to it, then not only do we have a tested, proven, super clear understanding of both the problem and the future state, but everybody that's been involved has a shared understanding. Yeah, this is this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing. This is why we're not doing that other version of this, right? And then you can actually sprint to this future point so much faster. And that that's the Amazon working backwards uh, technique at a, at a two minute level relative to that. And that's what we expand on in Big Bet Leadership is how to actually do that thinking that requires a team to do it, but you can't allow it to just be average thinking. You can't just go along to get along with this thinking. You actually have to be critical of these ideas. And that's the that's maybe the toughest cultural thing is the willingness to understand, like, I'm not being critical of you. I am pressure testing this concept. And the way you do that is you you try to find holes in it or alternatives to it and prove why it worked or didn't work. That is the essence of experimentation. And people, if, if, and the simple trick to doing this is just talking about it, like explaining upfront, hey, we're going to have a rude conversation here, right? We're going to, we're going to, we're going to tear these concepts apart. That's the job to be done in this meeting. If you just announce it and you do it fair handed, meaning you'll, you'll criticize your own or your favorite idea as much as you criticize any other idea. That's what fair handed means, right? You're truly doing it just on the merits of the idea that's presented. The team gets used to it really quickly. In fact, they, they start to love it. Um, and, um, and it starts raising the bar in terms of the thinking that goes on because everybody knows like, oh, if I put sloppy thinking out there, it's not going to pass, right? It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to take some bullets. So in your in, in your new book, uh, Big Bet Leadership, you do you talk about you know the the I think it's the Big Bet thinking, the Big Bet environment, and the Big Bet management. I assume that's exactly yes, what you're talking about is those the the Big Bet environment and the the management and and really the thinking of, of how you uh, how you do that. Right. And again, it's not a methodology. It's a, it's a set of uh, identifying why do these big bets fail and and the intercepts, the things we can do to help avoid them. Um, and it tackles, you know, the thinking is a lot of the things we've been talking about. The, the environment is like, how do we set up the places and the policies that actually allow us to win at these things? Here's, here's a simple example relative to this. And this came from my work at a, at a client where big client, public, public client, where we were standing up a new business incubation and everybody was on board like, yep, this is going to be lean. They can operate separately until we needed to hire a specialized contractor. All of a sudden, HR and procurement got involved. Oh, well, we have these policies that have to be followed. We have these approved vendor lists that have to be used and everything. It took us three months to hire when we knew the, per the person that we wanted to contract. So, what, and, and, and this is where you really have to look internally. We failed to do our job. To some degree, I failed to do my job because I didn't warn them that th these, these, adjunct policies, these, these, these partnering teams that you have to work with, tax, legal, HR, procurement, IT, we have, to, we have to let them know first 
we're playing a different game here. We're not optimizing for cost. We're not optimizing for stability like you do in your normal business. We're optimizing for speed, right? Speed to, to learning. Therefore, we're going to need to have some different policies in place when we are playing this game over here. If if I had done my job and, and forewarned them of this, we would have avoided that. We learned the issue that time and we, we made some adjustments and everything, but the, that's the type of environment. And then and the management, the management section is really about some of the key failure points of kind of the what what the the high stakes decisions and discussions that go on right not every discussion is a high stakes dis discussion but there are points in these big bets where there are high stakes discussions there are some deliberate techniques that you have to do in order to put senior leaders in the best position to or to do their job, which is to weigh in on the proposal that's at hand. And so that's really kind of the essence of, of big bet management is tackling some of those things. So looking at that, so what do you think is the number one or the most challenging aspect of leading these transformations? Yeah, it, 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 it's, a, it's a good question. It's a fair question, but these things fail for A, for lots of reasons, and B, they fail in context, right? It, it can be very different in in different business circumstances and kind of where you're at um, on your journey on this. But at the, at the end of the day, part of it is about where senior leaders actually spend their time and how they participate in these. And so, you know, um, we call this the CEO agenda, right? Like if, if you can actually, so my co-author on this, on this, on this book ran, ran strategy at a big couple, public, at a couple of big public companies. And part of his job doing that was like, he figured out like, oh, if I can, if I can adjust the CEO agenda, then I can actually make uh, like a priority, a real priority versus, you know, what happens at most companies that go, well, you've got 20 priorities, like, oh, those aren't priorities, you know, the, and everything, right? Like you can have three to five real priorities within, within a business, but if you can adjust the CEO agenda. And so one of the challenges that senior leaders are used to getting status and updates, what you need to do is balance that out with actual working meetings where we, where we, Stop being an administrator and and a, a, a manager, and we are a what we call at Amazon a builder, right? A builder solves problems like they actually dive deep into guess what the problem and the future state, and they contribute to building. The senior leaders at your company they're there because they have incredible experience and incredible wisdom and incredible insights, but we don't put them in a position very often where they actually get to bend the curve on, well, this is how exactly it should work in the future. This is the problem we need to tackle. And so part of what we do is we put them into, into a position where they get to, by adjusting their priorities, adjusting their calendar, and designing some meetings that actually lets them be a builder and directly work with the team and impact. Well, this is exactly how we want it to feel to a customer to work operationally and take advantage of their wisdom. Then we not only take advantage of their wisdom, but then they have such better understanding of the situation, the complexity, the risk nature of what we're doing here. Everything loosens up and starts flowing better because instead of just reading out to them um, 
we're actually involving them in the problem solving. And I, I took a look at some of the stuff and I, something that jumped out on me and I really liked when you said it's right up front is you, you, when you say 90% of the world knows they need to change, but only 10% are ready. What do you think is holding a majority of them back from embracing change? What do, what, what do you think it is that they know they need to do it, and but yeah. they're not? Well, you're probably better equipped to answer that question than I am, right? Like, like I, I'm, I'm an engineer. I'm not a psychologist, but, but I've gotten to appreciate a, a, a bit about the nature of human change. And, and I always say, like, I'm 80% kind of strategist and advisor and 20% psychologist. And, and what I realize is that it, there's typically like a leader where I need to not just adjust what the team and what the company's doing. I need to adjust with how they're thinking about the situation. And, 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 and it's not a transformation of them. It's like, it's a, it's an adjustment to their golf swing, right? It's like, ah, we're just going to tweak it a little bit here, but that tweak can make all the difference in the world. But I think, and, and so to answer your question, like I, I don't really uh, appreciate uh, what it is, but I think at some essence, it's, 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 hubris. Um, well, I've been tremendously successful. I'm in this role because I'm successful. Um, how can you be telling me that I personally need to make a change, right? So that's, that's, a, that's a form of, of, of hubris uh, there. I think the other that goes along with that is, is um, not wanting to be called out and caught, right? Like, uh, like that, oh, you have a, a, a weakness, something that needs to be adjusted. Like you actually don't know how to do this and everything, right? Um, and, and, and then the, the third thing is, is incentive systems, right? Incentive systems, especially at the senior level, can tell you everything about how people operate. And so you really have to understand the incentive systems at the executive team level. This is where I'll sometimes work with, with boards and CEOs on like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna make some adjustments to the incentive systems here because otherwise, you know, what, what we're gonna get is just people saying they agree, but actually like they aren't deeply committed to it because, because the incentive systems that you put in place don't reward them for leaning into this change. So those are some of the things that I see. I mean, do you have any other insights into like why these senior leaders um, resist something that they fundamentally understand is true? I think I, I think you you set a lot of it. You know, one I think they just you know that's they're at the top because they're good at what they do and don't tell me you know that I need to change. And I do believe I didn't think about that, but when you said the incentives, most of the executive teams are incentivized to not change. They're incentivized to keep the money as it is. You get you got you know you got keep things on budget, keep things you know keep you know keep everything as it is and, 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 and growing and and deliver this year, this yep. quarter, this week yep. versus spending time and resources on things that may not manifest for two to three years. Yeah. It reminds that, me of that, Kodak. That, you remember Kodak? I mean, they, oh yeah. they invented the damn digital camera and said, no, it's, we're, we're going to stick with our film. You know, that's what we know. We're going to continue doing that. And I don't know, within a couple of years, they were bankrupt and, <laughs> and, and out. So it's like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it really is about, um, long-term thinking and you know one of the leadership principles from amazon the second one is called ownership and the leadership principle reads like this it says leaders are owners they think long term 
and don't sacrifice long-term value for short-term results. They act on behalf of the entire company beyond just their team. They never say, that's not my job. <laughs> Break that down. It addresses a lot of the very things that we just talked about, right? So A, not working to optimize just your business or your division or your P&L. You have to think about the enterprise. B is you have to, th to deliver and you never sacrifice long-term for short-term results. You still have to get short-term results. You just have to do it in a way that doesn't sacrifice long-term value. And the second thing is it, it ends with, they never say that's not my job. Well, that's what, what does that mean? That's a very humbling mindset to take on, right? Like, hey, yeah, I, I do anything to win here. Uh, and, and well, that's, that's about keeping humility. Um, and I think that that humility angle is so important. Like, like, you know, when you are working with an executive who appreciates why they're there, they don't take it for granted. They're willing to learn something new and they think independently. They think critically for themselves. They just don't go along with the consensus kind of thinking of tradition uh, and everything. That that leader is, and that company with that leader is set up for long-term success. Now, before we we wrap up, you know, we're, we've been talking about your uh, about your new book. You are offering to the listeners. I, I I recommend everybody listening and everybody that that will listen go up and get because you're you're offering a free Kindle version of you know the Big Bet Leadership your book when it is uh when it is uh out which is I think was it February twenty seventh. Yeah. And so if you go to bigbetleadership.com, uh, give me your, your Kindle email address and, and tell me what, what the, the podcast, Thinking Big, you know, and everything podcast. When the book's released February 27th, you'll get a Kindle version of the book. What I ask, and it's a request, is that you please write a customer review. It's so important uh, for, for books to get uh, early customer reviews, but um, it'll be uh, a night. It, we really wrote it as a story too. So the book has some flow to it. We don't try to do too much with the book. It's a good read and a good listen. Um, and so I think that if you're interested in how do we not just go along with the, the, the like, yeah, we're going to have digital transformation and yep, 90% of these things are going to fail. If you want to change that you've you've got to be willing to toss aside some traditional technique and some traditional thinking, and and we provide it. Uh, so there's some new concepts in this book that that Kevin and I have used uh, at Amazon at our clients in getting real change to happen. It, it is not an academic. Uh, study on on you know these surveys that that survey executives like I think they almost tell you nothing like <laughs> what they tell you they don't tell you what to actually do um, differently they 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 give some indications but they don't actually tell you what to do we deliver a book that actually gives you technique on how to solve some of these points and and for those that that are listening. The link will be in the show notes as well. So uh, if you're listening and you didn't write that down, you know, will it's going to be in the show notes. Just go to the show notes. We'll have the links to uh, get a hold of John and get this book because it is going to be a. Uh, I I personally cannot wait to uh, get a hold of this book and to to read it because I think it's going to be. I I think you are spot on on the time of when this when people need to learn this and when people need to read this because again I think you said we're at the most pivotal time 
in the history that since I've been alive, this is this is gonna this blows away the change of the internet. We know how big that was. I mean, that was a huge change for for companies and and how we operate and how we do business. It, to me, that is that is a small thing compared to what's about to happen with all the AI coming out. So uh, this is again, I think this is such a pivotal time that if companies want to survive. They're going to need to learn how to make these big bets and lead their companies in a way that they're allowed to do these big bets. So again, thank you so much for coming on. And perfect. I, I, again, I think this is perfect timing for this book. Yeah. And the company analogy to that is you're going to be the company that is trumpeting that you have a digital transformation going on and it's, it's nothing more than a science fair, right? Like you're just doing it for show. I work with companies and this book is about people that are willing to make change because they want to win so bad that they can't stand the concept of, of failing. If, if you're in that camp, then, then working with me and this book is for you. Well, John, again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and enlighten our listeners. And you know, again, hopefully they will Take that information and, and really run with it. Uh, get your book, get your other books as well. I mean, fantastic books. And really start to play this new game that we're playing. Because the game's changed. It's, 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 we're, in a new, we're on a completely new playing field now. So again, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, be with us today. Well, Sean, thanks for your preparation. Thanks for everything you do. You're spot on on all the points you've made. And it's great to get to align with somebody who kind of kind of gets it at a, at a level where you can go a little deeper than um, some of the conversations. Well, thank you for joining me on another episode. And I hope you enjoyed our talk with John. And I hope you found it enlightening and inspiring and helping you to move forward a little bit faster. And if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to follow, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite platform. It really does help me reach more people who, like you, are eager to unlock their full potential and create a life that they desire. And in next week's episode, we're going to be diving into another exciting topic to help you continue your journey towards personal growth and success. So until then, keep thinking big and remember the power to change your life lies within you.